Well, welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of the Communication Mastery Podcast. This is the first of our episodes with a guest, and so I'm delighted to welcome Stephanie Wilson. Welcome, Stephanie. Glad to have you with us. Looking forward to our conversation. Thank you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, um, so that we get to know you. Okay. Well, I am the Advancement Director with Ground Zero Ministries, which is a ministry that focuses on middle school and high school students and all of the craziness that goes on in our middle school and high school (laughs) lives. Um, We basically try to share the gospel with them, giving them another avenue to consider amongst all of the other social media messages and messages from home, messages from school, everything that they're processing um, and just try to be, we want to rise to the top of that and introduce them to Christ because we really feel like no matter what's going on, if you have that relationship, then everything else will be more manageable. That's great. So how many youth do you overlap with in a, in a typical week? Between 125 and 150 every single week. So that gives us a good base. We have about 40 volunteers that help the seven of us as staff to manage and build those relationships and to play games. You know, when the students come in, they're coming from school or practice. So it's a great place for them to come and still connect with their peer group, but decompress, not have to worry about moms and dads being around, coaches, teachers, just a fun time of students interacting with students. So there's there's that kind of, it takes the pressure off for them. They can be themselves to some degree by the sound of things. Yes. Yeah. And we want them to be themselves. Awesome. That's how we most authentically connect. Right. Yeah. And I love that it's all about connection, and we talk about that a lot on the podcast. So tell me a little bit about your kind of communication challenges, the things you you encounter in in maybe a typical week or maybe across the more of the journey of your life. What sort of communication challenges have you encountered? I don't know that the podcast is going to be long enough for all of that, (laughs) given that I was just recently married, so that's, that's a piece. And I also deal with the students, that's a piece. But then the larger portion of my job is maintaining professional relationships with business owners and their employees. So that's a piece. So there's a lot to unpack there. Um, but what I would what I would say is that communication with each of those groups is different. And it's extremely important that you be aware of your own communication style so that you can adequately communicate with those in each of those groups the way that they need to be communicated with. It's much easier when the receiver is receiving something that you're trying to give as far as communication, that ensures a more smooth transition and that people understand. So with my staff, with the staff that are at Ground Zero, one of the biggest challenges is I am one of the very few that is what's considered an influencer and a producer. And all that means is that, first of all, I like to talk. Um, I talk and I think quickly. I don't need a lot of time to process. Most of the other staff are processors. Um, they think about things for a long time. They don't normally respond right away. And the natural tendency for someone like an influencer or a producer is to think, oh, you don't care or you don't have an opinion. Neither of those things could be further from the truth. But unless you understand the different styles, it's easy for all of that to get lost in translation and then communication be a negative experience instead of the positive experience that you want it to be. With the students, our student base is very unique. Um, I grew up in an area that was literally a melting pot, Columbus, Ohio. So I feel very blessed to have been exposed to many different types of cultures. But the culture at Ground Zero is such that the students there really, they require consistency in order to build trust. And all of that has to happen even before there's any communication. And I think we're all in agreement that communication is more than just your words. 
Sure. It's body language. Mm-hmm. So our students' body language sometimes can be very, um, I guess I don't know what word to use other than off-putting. They mm-hmm. don't look you in the eye. You can say hi to them, ask how they're doing, and they don't even acknowledge that you've responded, let alone respond back. <laughs> but trust and believe they've heard you and they've seen that you're there again and that you're exuding an interest in their life. But it takes a long time to build trust with those students in order to be able to have a relationship Um, and then you've got the general public those professionals that you're out there in the workforce dealing with and those folks are my favorite because I find that they're most like me and that's just (laughs) my tendency I like direct conversation I like honest and open communication and if I am inviting someone to become involved in what Ground Zero is doing and they're just not interested I just love it if they just say, you know what, that's just not really where my marketing dollars are going to go this year. Okay, great. Well, here's here's my information. When that changes, because you know we all have to shuffle up our marketing efforts once in a while, get a hold of me and let me let me share with you where we are and what we're doing at that point. I love that. So there's a lot of adaptability going on in what I'm hearing from you. Uh, it, it, there's a lot of you having to adjust. Talk to us a little bit about ha- what the process is for you when you're dealing with the teenagers and maybe you know, they're giving you the shoulder or they're just ignoring you. What, what kind of process do you go through so that, that doesn't kind of push you off track or discourage you as you want to make a connection with them? Well, and that was a process because I have six children of my own. Teenagers are one of my favorite segments of the population because my teenage years were so tumultuous. And I really feel like that's a reason that I have to relate to these students and, more importantly, the reason why I want to give back. I had wonderful parents, wonderful upbringing, but outside of that and their adult friends, who are now my surrogate parents as well, I didn't have a lot of people that paid attention and poured into my life. Yes, I had a youth pastor, but he was all about the guys in our youth group. So when I got pregnant as a teenager, um, there was really nobody to talk to. I certainly wasn't going to go tell my parents. <laughs> so knowing that kids have those things going on in the background that to them are really, really big, and, and some of them really are, um, knowing that they're just coming from environments where they are constantly trying to fit in, find out where they're belonging Middle school students are really asking, what do you think of me? You know, and, and assessing what they think of others as well. And high school students are more, what club or what group of people am I going to fit into? And what does that look like going forward? So first of all, not taking it personally, but mm-hmm. making an extreme effort to tune in to what is going on with that person. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes reading that body language is good. So you may know whether or not to approach or not. Sometimes when kids just have a really rough day, we as adults are like, ooh, I must give them their space. But actually the opposite's really necessary. It's important that you go up and say, hey, it looks like you've had a rough day. You want to talk about it? Sometimes they will and sometimes they won't. Um, With the students, too, it's interesting. When they come up and share something with you, even if you have no clue what a glizzy is, You need to be real with them. Be authentic and say, I've never heard that term. Do you mind sharing with me what that is? And let them make fun of you for not knowing because that's really the connection point, right, is you begin to have a connection with someone on a different level than where you're normally operating, and that creates a huge connection. And I think when we're able to be authentic and vulnerable, that the kids notice that, first of all, and they also notice when you're trying to be fake. 
don't ever say you know something that you don't because they will absolutely call you on it and they will always remember that. So being authentic in your communication is so super important with these teenagers because they're desiring that connectedness and that authentic relationship with multi-generational individuals in their lives. That's great, yeah. And it's funny that you pick out the, the, the glizzy because I had to look that up just a few weeks ago when somebody used that with me. I'm like, I have no idea what that is. Yeah, or when <laughs> but they I walk wasn't up in and a say, where your drip is on point. I'm like, should, wait, what? What's excuse leaking? me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. But I, I, love the, I love the self-awareness I'm hearing in, in, in the way you're describing what you're doing in, in your interaction with the, with the teenagers. But I'm guessing that also applies when you're actually interacting with the business community or, or folks in, the, in, the, in your role uh, introducing Ground Zero to other people. So talk to us a little bit about how your self-awareness has grown um, on your communication journey. How have you developed that sort of self-awareness? Was it just that it kind of came to you naturally or did you have to work through? <laughs> no, it doesn't come to me naturally. Um, yeah. I can give you an example. When I first came to South Carolina in 2017, I was hired immediately by the city of Myrtle Beach and the Human Resources Department. Mm -hmm. Such a blessing. I had been asked by my director to obtain some information, which only the director of another department had. So I sent an email, introduced myself, made my request, and ended the request with, if I may, I'd like to follow up by end of business tomorrow. That timeline was driven by when my director wanted the information. I, of course, didn't get the information in a timely manner. So I made a phone call and asked the director if she had received my email, first of all, and if she'd received it, if she'd had time to respond, and if not, if I could just stop over and get the information that I needed. Within 15 minutes, my director received a, a phone call from the person with whom I was trying to get the information and said, boy, your new hire is really aggressive. She needs to tone it down a little bit. <laughs> In my mind, very task-oriented, um, focused on producing results, that wasn't aggressive. That was just doing my job. Mm -hmm. So it is being aware of the softer approach the culture here in South Carolina is much slower paced than it is in Columbus, Ohio, which was one of the many reasons that I moved here. So, you know, you have a lot of Northerners trying to change things when they get down here. Our way is better. No, it really isn't. And adapting is critical to that. One of the ways that I became self-aware that I was aggressive was listening. You have to be able to receive some of the things that people share with you because perceptions reality and you're not allowed to tell someone that you didn't make them feel a certain way so you have to be comfortable enough with yourself to receive some of that feedback and then actually do something with it but I have been a single person for a long long time and recently got married and so going through all of that again self-discovery and re rediscovery of who I am as a person on a personal level was rough um <laughs> Because I do tend to be, I, I think of something, and I make a decision, and I move forward. Well, the wonderful saint of a man that I married couldn't be more polar opposite. So what I had to do was I had to take the life languages test, um, and I had to discover what my natural tendencies were, and then what tendencies I had the ability to develop through some training, 
clearly self-awareness. And then one of the biggest things I have to do is I have to dial things back a little bit. Even in a staff meeting, I have now waited. I'm no longer the first one to jump in and talk. I just wait for everyone else's feedback. You know, sales 101, management 101, they say be the, smart, be, be the dumbest person in the room and speak last mm -hmm. because you want to surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, and you also want to hear everyone else's opinion before you actually open your mouth. So what I've done to develop my communication skills is I've discovered what each of those life languages look like tried to educate myself on those who are closest to me, what their styles are, and then what they need from, from me as their styles dictate. So that's been critical. Cool. And so it sounds like you've seen uh, a, a real difference in, in learning some of that stuff, in being able to adapt to other people. Um, and I mean, not just with your husband, <laughs> but with the, with the folks at work as well. Um, so... Was any of that journey uh, a surprise to you, or did it kind of clarify? When you took the life language profile, was it uh, was it a, like a complete bolt from the blue of this is completely different from anything I've ever seen, or was it more of a development for you of what you maybe already had sensed? You know, talk us through how that went for you when you first encountered the life languages and that journey you've been on. Well, I'm in my mid-50s, so nothing surprised me that was, you know, <laughs> revealed um, I know who I am, and I know all of my character flaws. I'm intimately um, comfortable with those. So working on some of those flaws was definitely a development piece. Um, mm -hmm. Wanting to show up and be a more effective producer, wanting to make sure that when someone had something going on in their life, like a student that I could speak into, wanting to make sure that that influencer part of me was well-received. That's really what the life language profile revealed to me is, who is the type of person that I really want to be, and how do I want to show up in other people's lives every day? Because I could continue to be a task-oriented, aggressive person, but to, to what end? What does that accomplish? And if we're all here for the purpose of making other people's lives better, then I needed to do better. That's awesome, yeah. And that you've just summarized why I do what I do <laughs> is to help I'm people. Sorry. Get, no, that's quite <laughs> all right. I, it's it, I find it very affirming, uh, which is one of the things that I like to hear with my profile. Um, but to see that it works with other people, because you know, to be honest, we've done minimal coaching. You've done a lot of this on your own, um, and and it's very encouraging to see the power of the profile in the way that you've taken it and run with it. Um, if you were to pull out maybe one or two examples of, of how you've adapted, um, what would you say? What, what has made the most difference for you? You talked about how you wanted to not be as aggressive or um, come over too strong. Um, are there other examples of how the, the profile has helped you to, to adapt to other people? So being single for a long time, I've always made my own decisions, whether it's a monetary purchase or um, where things go in the house. And when I got married, that had to change. Although I will admit, I am still really working very hard on that. <laughs> I still do not like empty glasses sitting on the counter and it drives me nuts. So those are silly things that don't matter in the big scheme of things. But, um, you know, when, when we got married, my parents stood up and said, just 
don't sweat the small things. And in my mind, literally, I was thinking, well, if they're small, then what what action's being taken is just inconsiderate and lazy. <laughs> so that tells you the degree that mm-hmm. I need to work on things. <laughs> so one of the things is whenever I'm thinking about making a purchase, now I need to vocalize that to someone, my husband, yeah. and I need to allow him to give me feedback on that. It's not that I need his permission. Um, though I think it's great teamwork when you talk about things that are going to end up, I wanted a fireplace for the new home that we had and it was Christmas time. Well, there were some other things that we wanted to accomplish as well financially. So his feeling was, do we really need that? Well, no, it's not about needing it. It's something that I want and I can do that. So anyway, we did not end up getting the fireplace, um, mostly because I thought, you know, this is our initial what would you like to do? And he needed that win. And I'm not being facetious and I'm not being condescending. I wanted him to feel like I understood his place in the household. And if he said that that wasn't something we really needed, honestly, we didn't need it. Um, So that's a total 180 for me because normally Mm -hmm. I would have ordered it. It would have come to the door and he would have said, what's that? And I was, oh, that's the fireplace that I ordered. (laughs) I wouldn't even have discussed it with him. Yeah. So that's a big change for me. Um, and I don't mind making that change because, you know, him being the polar opposite of me, it really just makes us the complete package. And it's a very unique thought process to think that someone else could really complete you. I mean, this isn't Jerry Maguire, right? But there are <laughs> obvious character flaws and things where I rush ahead, where he slows me down and helps me to think a little bit differently. So I love that. So, but professionally, I mentioned, I just don't open my mouth right away when our boss asks, okay, guys, what what do you think? Mm-hmm. I wait. And that's hard for me, too, because, again, operating as a single mom for so many years with a child with medical complications that required a very direct approach and seeking answers and going to the source, I am very much a bull in a china shop sometimes. And you realize that and you think, well, yeah, but things need to get done. Okay. But they're still going to get done. They just don't need to be done like that. Yeah, I love that. So it it sounds like you and your husband have actually uh, contributed to each other's communication growth just by being completely different. (laughs) That's a very accurate statement. By nature, he is not a great communicator. His dad Mm -hmm. wasn't. That's not something that comes naturally to him. And But he aspires to be a better communicator. He would be a great public speaker and is very comfortable in that space. I, on the other hand, am super comfortable talking. Um, Unfortunately, do that a little bit too often. But again, that's what we're working on. Mm. Um, And just always at the end of the day, I want to make sure that I did things well. That's, That's the goal with the students, with the staff, with my husband, with everyone. I just want to make sure that I speak things that matter to them. I don't always get it right. <laughs> Neither do any of us do yeah. it, but yeah, but understanding where where the uh, where the gap came <laughs> and what to do about it mm-hmm. sounds like you've really embraced that and that's that's so encouraging to me that you've gained that out of our time together uh, uh, and it's helped you and your husband to to really strengthen your relationship mm-hmm. as well as made a difference at work. So that's that's mm-hmm. cool. 
So thank you. Uh, it's been great chatting. Anything else you'd like to add? I mean, would you, presumably you'd recommend the life languages to other I people. I do. I just think that the people that we interact with every single day, whether it's by choice or by force, um, they need to be important. And in order for us to communicate well and to avoid a lot of frustration for ourselves, we need to make sure that we are self-aware. We need to make sure that we understand what communication really is and everything that it entails and then how to best do that because everything that happens is a result of communication either good or bad communication so I think it's extremely important that's great Stephanie thank you and thank you for what you and the team at Ground Zero do uh, the youth of our town need it um, but I think you have a great impact on the businesses in the area too just by drawing people together to support what you're doing so. We love our partnerships. So, yeah. <laughs> so thank you for spending time with us today and all the best in communication going forward. Thanks.